Drums, please. Hey friends, C-Note here. Welcome to the show. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope everything is good and happy and fine and dandy with you. Today, we are going to be talking about a couple of different ways and things that you can use to think about regulating your emotional experience. And really, it's just three key tactics, and we'll kind of expand upon those things. Um, Really, I don't even know if they're tactics so much as they are things to think about, things to consider as you are going through your day as you're enjoying life and trying to figure out uh, what it is you need to do to, you know, keep having a positive existence. (laughs) It could be a challenge. I know I have, um, even when I'm not dealing with mental health days, mental illness days, you know, mental health is an important thing to continue to manage. And even if you're an atypical, uh, a neurotypical person, listening to this show for like some creative development or mindset development or anything like that, that um, there's still the opportunity for for you to take some advice in managing your mental health. It's important for you to consider the needs of your mental health every single day and every single moment and be able to listen to yourself. So another way to really formulate this is like, these are are kind of three initial steps that we can use to start thinking about how we can listen to ourselves. How do you start to listen to yourselves? Where do you start when you're having a bad day, when you're really like, when you have a bad experience or you feel like you're triggered by something. And I don't mean the social media version of political triggered. I mean, like actually triggered by something, meaning you're something takes you to an emotional place that you were not expecting to go to. Where do you start to analyze that? How do you start to look for, for, you know, where do you, where do you even start when it comes to regulating your emotional state? Um, so those three key things that we're going to kind of break down, it starts with environmental, which is everything around you. Second is mental, which typically has to do with analyzing your current state and your past mental state, sort of the nodes in your personal system. And then physical. Physical is probably the most obvious, um, but sometimes, especially intuitive types in the Myers-Briggs system, we can forget to take care of ourselves. And it's important for you to take time to take care of yourself physically, getting food uh, and and satiating all of those other needs, right? So let's, let's start with the top one. Let's start with the first, environmental. What could that really mean? What does environmental consist of? Uh, Environmental really is everything that you're surrounded by in regards to, you know, your everyday life. Uh, So it doesn't mean if you're at the post office and you feel terrible, like to leave the post office because maybe you need to do something at the post office, right? Um, You know, but I mean, I don't mean places where you're bored, (laughs) but I mean like your, your everyday life. Uh, things that you're experiencing and um, that that need to change over time. And what I really mean by that is 
sometimes people can be a part of that. It can be the noises that you're consistently surrounded by. Uh, one of the things that often gets overlooked is like a low buzzing sound. Like maybe you have something in your apartment that you're not taking care of. Maybe there's like a, a murmur of the fridge or something that you're very aware of. I know for me, because I'm, I've inattentive ADHD, I notice all of those little noises all the time. So I typically need to listen to music or have something else kind of going uh, in the background that I have a little bit more control over that will allow me to, to kind of focus on, um, you know, the, the, to sort of refocus my my hearing right so i can so i'm not hearing that low it, it's kind of like chinese water torture water torture i'm from philly by the way <laughs> um uh where they're like putting a little drips of water in your head and you just hear it over and over again sometimes if there's like a faucet running or there's just something that is going repeatedly i used to live um when i lived by myself in an apartment complex we had a um uh, smoke detector, you know, that would just kind of, it would be when it's low battery, it does that beeping noise. It does that like beep and like really, really loud. And if you forget to take care of it, it can be one of those like things that is causing an underlying stress in your environment as you are going through your existence. Right. So that can be one of those things that you need to consider as you're sort of going through your day-to-day -day life. Like, how is this affecting me, right? I keep feeling like my gain is not right. <laughs> so we're gonna try to fix this a little bit better. Is that good? Okay, we'll, we'll keep testing it. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Is that too loud? I don't know, okay, can't really tell. I've, I've been recording in Audition instead of uh, on Anchor, so it's a little harder to tell um, when things are clipping. But, you know, we'll be OK anyway. Um, but sometimes, yeah, you would get that um, that little sort of beep noise over and over again. And you just might get used to it or you might ignore it or you might be just like moving on with your life and not realizing how much that is affecting you. And uh, really, like if you let it go for a while and then you fix it and you change the battery and like kind of notice your mental state, maybe there's times where you're feeling a little bit better. Yeah, that gain is definitely too loud. Now, let's go that way. Let's go the other way. Okay, perfect. This way I can get a little closer to the microphone. And uh, yeah, we're good. Okay. Yay. <laughs> um, okay. We're learning here. I'm trying to, I'm trying to record locally so that I can like have redundancies backed up and saved so that um, I'm not just recording on the desktop with Anchor because so I've lost recordings so many times and I don't want to do that again. So that's why we're doing this. Um, so environmental is not only just audibly. I mean, audio is um, one of those things where if you're living in a noisy environment, um, you know, I kind of grew up in Philly. So or I did grow up in Philly. So I was used to like ambulances and gunshots and fireworks and all sorts of noise happening all the time. And it could be the opposite is true. Like you could be very stressed out by the fact that there's no noise. You know, I moved to San Diego and I lived in the middle of nowhere and suddenly uh, everything was way too quiet, like creepy quiet. And I did not like that at all. It made me very uncomfortable. I was stressed out pretty consistently. Um, but I also lived in a place where there was like three dogs and two cats and children and there was a lot of noise all the time. 
and the TV was always way too loud. Uh, the lights were on all the time. There was just a lot going on. Uh, but for you, like you have to consider where your particular uh, needs are. Again, if you're someone that can live with that noise, that's great. If you need someone, if you're someone that needs quiet, then you need to do what you can to make your environment quieter. That means like, even if your house is loud, invest in some earplugs or headphones or something, right? I used to have um, trouble sleeping and I would sleep in the guest room sometimes um, because the living room was always too loud in the morning. And so I would sleep with my, I would sleep with earphones in um, with like earplugs rather. And because in the morning there would be a rooster that would wake up at 5 a.m. <laughs> across the street. And that noise was always way too loud, but it was always too hot to keep the door, the window closed. So, and then they would let the dogs out in the morning and they would start barking in the middle of the morning too. So the headphones or the, the earphones, the earplugs rather, was a tremendous help in feeling like I could manage my temperament in the morning and get enough sleep because getting enough sleep is incredibly important. That's part of your physical needs. So, you know, audibly, Audio stuff, if there's anything that you can do to control your environment in that way, that's important, especially if those things are affecting you, right? So that's something to consider with your environment. Uh, another thing is temperature regulation. I know that when I'm in the car and I have the heat on, sometimes I get headaches from the heat blasting in my face. Uh, some people get headaches when there's such a change, sudden change in temperature or pressure. And, um, you know, maybe you need to get a humidifier if, if you're not getting enough of that in your environment, right? Um, and, you know, maybe there's not enough natural light or too much natural light. I've been reading a book called Joyful, which is really amazing, especially for IN, INP types, INFPs and INTPs who are trying to access joy. Uh, it's really, really good for you to read this book because it gives you a lot of really great tips for kind of dressing up your environment. And that's something that Molly and I do in our space. And we're trying to practice maximalism, which I'm going to do another episode in the future, which is essentially being intentional about fulfilling, filling your space with joyful things. And, um, you know, for us, it's like a lot of nerdy stuff. But there's like a symmetry to things. There's things that are harmoni harmoniously lined up. There is a color. We have decent natural light. We could use better natural light, but we have that. We have Christmas lights that are up all year long. Um, you know, I've got Nintendo things. I, I'm surrounded by stuff that I enjoy and I appreciate. And I think that's important for all of us to continue, continue to do is to surround ourselves with joy. So not, not only is it avoiding, avoiding things in our environment to make sure that we're not triggered by certain stuff, but making sure that we're adding things to our environment that bring joy to our life, uh, you know, light, plants, anything that can provide uh, better breathing and oxygen. Sometimes we need, uh, you know, an air conditioner or fans, um, you know, sometimes it's just physical items. Sometimes it's... Um, you know, like Funko Pops or something, right? Or video games or things that you really appreciate, musical instruments, um, you know, uh, posters of your favorite movies or shows or anything like that, um, and stuff that can kind of be bunched together. And then the stuff that you're using every day too, it's not just the extraneous stuff, but if you can find ways to sort of dress up the placement of like one of the things that I've been thinking about in our kitchen is that we have a cabinet that is full of mugs right now. 
And not only would it be great to have that cabinet space for like a pantry space, but I would love to display those mugs in a way that because we have a lot of really rad mugs. We've got like Ninja Turtles mugs and Wonder Woman and Star Wars and all sorts of really great mugs that get kind of hidden in this cabinet because we don't have a great way to display it yet. And finding a way to display those would really make for a wonderful visible set piece for us and um, just add a little bit of extra charm to our space, but also be able to free up that cabinet space to be able to use for, you know, for extra pantry space. So that's something that's kind of at the forefront of my brain right now that, I, that I'm kind of working on. But if you can find that intersection between joy and practicality, like that's pretty amazing to be able to pull that off. Right. So that's, that's really good. Um, really got to get a pop filter. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, that's an incredibly important, uh, thing to consider when you're trying to spark joy within your environment. And you can also watch that Marie Kondo show, you know, she's always talking about finding things that spark joy. Uh, and she's, um, She's really incredible about making sure that people consider that in their environment, in their homes, that what they're doing sparks some sort of joy in their lives, right? If you need ideas, you know, watch HGTV shows, go to Pinterest to go watch the Marie Kondo show. Um, we've been watching Queer Eye where they do, you know, one of the segments that they do is to uh, revamp homes a little bit and do some interior design stuff, right? So there's a lot of really, really great stuff out there to get good ideas and you can dress up your apartment in a way that doesn't look childish either, right? That's the thing that we've also been struggling with is not struggling with, but, but being intentional about is making sure that our environment is a place that doesn't necessarily look like it's about, you know, it's not a, it's not a child space that we happen to live in as adults. It's a, it's an adult space. We have a lot of neutral colors for our furniture and then all of the accents and all the stuff that we love have color to them. And it kind of brings this balance of like feeling like an adult that has hobbies as opposed to living in a McDonald's play place. <laughs> yep. All right, so the second one is mental, mental space. Thinking about your mental state and, you know, when you're feeling terrible, when you're feeling like you're dealing with emotions and dealing with so much going on in your life, thinking about your mental state, thinking about your mental health. What have you experienced lately that has been adding to your mental health difficulties and, uh, allowing you to be so sensitive in this moment because maybe that's what's going on maybe there's a sensitivity that you're experiencing in this moment maybe it's something where you're you know you got into a fight with your partner in a way that you normally would not right it was really easy for you to get into a fight with them when you're normally a lot more patient um, or you snapped at someone or you felt like you wanted to give a driver the finger when you normally don't do that. Right. Um, you know, what, what's going on there? Why are you feeling so fragile? Right. And I don't mean that fragile in a negative way, you know, cause we use like, you know, fragility in a way that's like negative connotation these days. Just, just saying like, why are you feeling vulnerable? 
you know, what's going on there. And considering what's happened in recent memory, literally the last day or two days or even few hours, that might be adding up to that. In the same way that I was talking about with environmental, that sometimes there are subtle things happening in our, our environment that we're not aware of that is causing stress, like those little murmurs, like the fridge or, you know, needing to change the battery in the smoke detector. Those little things, if there's something that we can in, in be aware of, that has happened within the last hour or two that we haven't resolved. Maybe there's a conflict with a coworker that we haven't quite yet um, worked out and um, we need to go talk to them or we feel like we need to go apologize to them and we didn't really take the time to do that. You know, maybe that's something we need to go do, right? Um, or... Maybe you have an unfinished project that you've been putting off. And because of that, you're feeling stressed. You're feeling like anxious or you're feeling like you can't focus and you've kind of put it off. And in your brain, you're just like, eh, it's cool. I'm not going to worry about it. Right. But your actions speak differently. The fact that you're fragile in this moment and you're vulnerable and you're ready to lash out at any moment means that there's something typically that needs to be resolved, whether that's big picture or little picture, right? So if there's short-term stuff going on, you know, that's the first place that you can look to if that's what is, you know, in your mind, if that's what's going on in your life. So if you're feeling like you're experiencing something that is not your typical behavior, again, you've like lashed out at someone or have been a little sharp or, you know, there's something different about your mental state to go back and start with like the last hour, you know, what, what's happened in the last hour that is making me feel like I, I need to project something onto another person, right? You know, am I feeling angry? Am I feeling upset? Do I feel like I've been wronged by someone? You know, do I need to address something to someone? Do I need to apologize for something, right? Sometimes that's a big part of it. Or you can go on further than that, right? Try within the last day or two. Maybe your partner has been extremely stressed and projecting that on you and you don't appreciate it, but you don't want to make it worse by not saying something. But by not saying something, you're making yourself stressed and you're taking it out on the world, right? One of the things that that I typically hold on to is this idea that if we don't resolve conflict with the person that we have conflict with, we're going to seek a way out of that conflict through another person. And I call this the apology ladder. This is something I'm still working on. But it's essentially if two people are in conflict with one another, they need to climb up the ladder together. Each person represents one hand climbing up each rung to get out of this hole that they're in. And if they don't equally exchange power to get out of this hole, then the person who is the victim essentially becomes the oppressor in a new ladder by starting, uh, by starting conflict with another person to try to climb out of this ladder. And each rung represents different stages of that conflict um, resolution, whether you know, it's the, the apology, the explanation of each other's intent, and then ultimately the resolution, um, you know, that's what happens here within this conflict ladder. So that's, that's basically based on my experience. That's what I've seen. So for me, being able to express that through 
this and seeing that, you know, when, when you're having, basically when you're having this moment, when you feel like you're expressing something that is not typical of your behavior, think about who you have conflict ladders with. Who are you in a conflict ladder with and how can you resolve those things so that you're not continuously seeking other ways out of the conflict ladder? Because even though you may resolve temporarily your ability to get out of one aspect of your conflict hole that you're in, the other person who was the original oppressor in this sort of conflict that you have with them, they may not be able to get out of the hole themselves, right? So I think it is possible for people to have conflict ladders where they can get out of their own sense of conflict through other means and then kind of meet up, <clears throat> then kind of meet up and express sorrow um, for each. Sorry, I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> Yay. <laughs> um, you know, sort of lose... Um, they can sort of lose that conflict. Like they, they can kind of meet out of the hole, as it were, and make sure that they don't get into another conflict with one another. That's totally possible. But if this other person is has not resolved their conflict, their own version of conflict or conflict with themselves, they may drag you back in, right? So you still need to resolve your conflict with them, even if you are able to express yourself at the gym or through another person or you know, get revenge on them or something like that. When you go back to that person to speak with them, to exist with them, to be around them, you're still going to experience or feel the remnants of that conflict ladder, you know, existing, right? So for that, you, you still need to work through that. You still need to go back to that original person and work through that. You know, and through that is explaining each other's intent, you know, explaining that, um, you know, how you felt, basically, you know, one person felt um, that they were right, the other person felt that they were wrong. And basically, you have to kind of acknowledge that first, then explain intent, and then apologize. And then you have a resolution, right? So I plan to write a book about this whole thing. It's a lot, but I think it's really powerful to kind of put it into this framework. And so be on the lookout for that in the future. Um, but you know, that mental state is typically interrelational too, right? So mental state is not necessarily just your mental state, but your mental state in relation to the people in your life or your boss or, um, you know, or, or someone that you've interacted with recently that you might have the opportunity to go resolve that conflict with. And sometimes that's within yourself. And that's another part of that mental part too, is like, you may need to forgive yourself for a way that you behaved. You know, maybe you were a jerk to someone at a coffee shop. You were a jerk to a barista, but you're too far away from that coffee shop to like go back and apologize and make yourself feel better for that. You have to find a way to resolve that within yourself. You almost have to go through your own conflict ladder within yourself to forgive yourself for that feeling, for that action, but then find a way to to go through the resolution phase as well and make sure that you don't do that again. So you have a resolution with yourself to not do that again. And then you kind of move on and you move forward and you can be at peace with yourself. Right? So that's another part of the mental state. And, and there's like other stuff that involves 
past traumas as well, because sometimes triggers can be a part of your past trauma that you need to unlock. And that's going to take a lot more time, right? That's going to take time to explore. You might need to talk to a therapist about that stuff or really do a lot of your own ego transcendence kind of work to really resolve that within yourself over time, you know? So that can be a lot more difficult, but sometimes even if you're able to recognize why you're triggered by something, you know, you can say like, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't like this sort of thing. And then I came across it and that made me feel a certain way. You can adjust that. Maybe that can be tied to an environmental thing as well. And you can make adjustments to not necessarily avoid it, but to prepare yourself for when that's about to come or when you're in the moment to be able to trace it back to that specific moment. And then you can connect the dots and you can start towards that resolution conflict within yourself by forgiving yourself for feeling this way because of things that you've experienced in your past that may not necessarily be even your fault, right? So those are sort of complicated mental conflict things, but sometimes that's where it is. And, and, you know, to kind of round out the mental part of this is like, perhaps you need to, again, go see a therapist, or you need to go through some meditation, or you need to do something where you slow down. Maybe it's you're overworking your brain. Maybe you're stressing yourself out about things that don't necessarily need to be stressed out about. You know, you could be going through an intense amount of conflict with yourself for really no good reason at all. And uh, that's not it's not even remotely helpful. All right. And the last one. Thanks for still being here, by the way. And the last one is physical. Physical needs are probably some of the most obvious ones that we personally experience, uh, you know, because like your body is going to tell you when you need something typically. Uh, and I think the trick, though, is is recognizing when something is a need versus a want or versus a, you know, perhaps we have behavioral triggers that we've uh, identified within ourselves as well. You think of like the the Pavlov's dog experiments with the, I forget the specifics, but the uh, there's the uh, the unconscious behavioral, um, the learned behaviors rather. So, you know, hunger is a good example. So hunger is typically what I think of when I'm thinking about physical needs the most because. You know, we associate hunger with like the word hangry, right? And uh, you can get hangry and feel like, oh, the hunger monster is coming after me and I need to satiate it, right? And satiating that hunger, you know, sometimes that can actually help. There, You know, there's chemical stuff going on. You need to eat a little bit, um, you know, maybe have blood sugar things and that could be affecting your mood, right? And, you know, just eat a little something doesn't need to be a big fat meal doesn't need to be a greasy cheeseburger eat some good healthy food and uh, get something in your system to kind of give you a boost right maybe you need a little energy maybe you need some ah my freaking mouth and throat ah <clears throat> trying again <laughs> um, you know, maybe you seem need some red meat in your system to give you a little bit of an energy boost, right? Get some protein, you know, it depends on your situation. You know, you can do a little research too, to like find out about how health, uh, how food can sort of help you with, uh, managing body chemistry and all of that stuff, right? It could be something to consider and look into, uh, if you're having continual issues, but to bring it all to the Pavlov's dog thing is that 
the difference is learning the difference between learned behavior behaviors that you've just associated with like the time of day or like I need to eat because I'm in this environment or I smelled something versus like when your body is telling you you need something right because like you could get cranky because you're used to needing food at a certain time of day right doesn't necessarily mean you're hungry just means you are in a routine and you need to get into that routine to, you need to be in that routine to be happy, you know? And I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily true that you have to do that, but um, it's something to be aware of, you know, versus like when you are actually hungry, I think we're going to experience hunger more often when we are actually physically hungry and you need the physical needs of your body because you're expending energy. Energy does, does just doesn't come out of nowhere. We're not producing energy. We're using energy from outside sources. That's why we eat food. Um, so we can continue to, to continue to feed our engine. Right. So, you know, if we're not eating food, our bodies start to eat itself. That's how you lose weight. <laughs> your body's essentially eating itself, you know? And, um, you know, if you do that for too long, you're not going to have enough body left to eat. Ask Gandhi. So, you know, that's, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of a problem if you're not managing that effectively, you know, and it's like, that's one of the things too, if you're trying to lose weight, that can be a challenge. Uh, especially if like it's affecting your moods to have to fast for a certain amount of time or whatever. Again, that's why it says like what you eat is so much more important than when or how much you eat, right? You can eat a full plate of vegetables and be full. You can be satisfied. And sometimes you associate taste with satisfaction as opposed to feeling full with satisfaction. And that kind of takes a little bit of retraining over time to get yourself into that space. I stopped eating sugar for a month and I feel great, you know? I've been eating like little sticks of gum and little bits of sugar um, here and there. Like I had a chai latte the other day um, and I haven't really been drinking caffeine either. So like every once in a while I'll have something like that and uh, you know, it feels pretty okay uh, to do that. And um, you know, I, I just, I don't feel bad. It doesn't really screw up that chemistry, but for the most part, I'm trying really hard to eat healthier foods, stay away from fried foods as much Um I've been learning to turn Molly down when she suggests to go get fast food because she'll she'll kind of get into like a lazy immediate mode and want fast food. And I'm like, nope, I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's too expensive and it tastes like garbage and it makes me feel like garbage and I can't do that. Right. <laughs> so listening to yourself, too, because sometimes it's not even like the lack of eating, but what it is that you're eating that can make you feel terrible can totally ruin your mood. Um so again, like learning which good foods are going to be satisfying that for you is, is going to be important. I would suggest also, if you regularly feel terrible to just start trying to eliminate certain things, try the sugar thing for a while, try a week without sugar, two weeks without sugar, a month, I would say 30 days, honestly. Um, because after 30 days, you start to like smell all the processed sugar and it's just like, it's not appetizing anymore. And, uh, to me, at least to me and, uh, you know, it's good to not have all of that sugar in your life. You know, I've been making those changes and I lost 15 pounds in the last two months or so. So I feel really good about that. And it feels like, you know, losing weight slowly over time is really where that's at too. And I've been doing intermittent fasting as well as a way to let my body sort of manage the chemicals a little bit better. Um, I forget what's, um, it, it, 
it manages insulin levels a little bit more regularly to eat within that eight hour window. And it doesn't have to be so strict either. If you're having struggles with it, you can stretch the amount of time. You know, you can try different diets and see what works for you. But you have to think about long-term sustainability as well. If it's something that you're not going to be happy if you're not eating pasta, then you need to work your diet around that, right? But you also need to probably, uh, um, you know, adjust your goals as well. Uh, but, you know, again, or portion size, right? You, if you're enjoying the taste of something, then learning to appreciate it more instead of eating more of it is probably going to be a better trade-off, right? So if you really love tortellini, you know, taking slower bites, talking with someone, just taking your time to really enjoy it, to enjoy less of it, as opposed to eating in a giant entire olive garden size bowl of, of tortellini, uh, you know, to just kind of balance that out a little bit better or limit the sauces or something like that. So I have a lot to say about health and food because I just, I do a lot of research to try to make myself, um, get into more long-term sustainability, uh, you know, not fad diet kind of things to, you know, be, to feel better and uh, try to build strength and get myself into a, the place that I used to be in uh, physically. And, you know, other physical needs are, you know, sometimes you're sick and making sure that you're uh, avoiding that. You're not getting into circumstances where you could get sick and you're making sure that you're getting your flu shot and you're going to check, get checked up by the doctor and all of that stuff. Um, but even in the moment, really, this is more about in the moment when you're feeling upset, sad, triggered of any kind and thinking about, you know, this is one of those things that need to be met. And I would even consider sex as part of that too. Like, you know, you need that physical need satisfied. That's part of our evolutionary purpose. You know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always interesting to me. Like right afterwards, I'm always like, ah, I just fulfilled my <laughs> evolutionary purpose. And there's just like a satisfaction there with that. Right not the obvious physical satisfaction, but like, you know, sometimes there's that. And it's, you know, you get that love and connection piece with someone too, especially with someone you care about, which I would recommend that it is, but Hey, you do, you do whatever you need to. And, you know, just kind of like that physical connection is really important for needs as well. You know, I would definitely consider that to be more of a need than a want. I mean, there's, there's needs and wants in relation to that, but I feel like, I don't know. I feel like humans wouldn't really desire that as often as we do if it wasn't required of us to satisfy that within ourselves uh, emotionally. Right. And I think it's, you know, that's one of those things that you can be very careful of is that anything could be used in extremes and in a negative way. Right. Like promiscuity and not having safe sex and all of that stuff can be really, really not great. Uh, same thing for overeating, you know. Even over-exercising could hurt yourself. Drinking too much water could hurt yourself, right? And maybe that's another thing too. You know, you haven't been drinking enough water. That's a problem I hear all the time and something I'm also trying to make sure that I'm doing more of. I have to deliberately do that. And then I can't sleep at night because I'm breathing too weird because I, I'm dehydrated, right? So considering that, you know, drinking enough water, getting at least eight to 12 cups of water a day, depending on your, your sex and your size physically. Um, you can look that up based on your inflammation. And then, you know, lastly, making sure that you're getting enough sleep. 
because sleep is important. I know, especially us as like creative people, we are in this hustle, hustle mode. And, you know, I think hustle gets a bad rap because there are a lot of people doing it wrong. There are a lot of people who are pushing themselves beyond their means, beyond their capabilities and not doing it in a thoughtful, sustainable, deliberate way, you know, and forgetting that we're human beings that need to be taken care of. We need to take care of ourselves. That means getting enough sleep, especially if you're dealing with a mood disorder and you're like me with cyclothymia, getting into a good circadian rhythm is going to keep you in a good, even mental state as often as possible. That means going to bed around the same time and waking up around the same time, you know, and getting into better routines at night so that you're not looking at your phone for too long and feeling like, oh, I can't sleep, but I'm here posting it on Facebook with this bright blue screen in my face. Like, come on, stop it. You're an adult. Handle it. You know, stop making these excuses. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be pointing the finger at you, <laughs> but, you know, this is something that I fixed in my life. And I used to be a, a terrible insomniac. I never thought I would be a person that could go to bed at nine or 10 o'clock at night. And I do that regularly now. It's crazy. It's really, really weird. Um, but I'm, I'm also satisfying happiness within my life. And sometimes that kind of stress can keep you up all night. Maybe there's things you need to write down before you go to bed. Maybe you get, have to add that into your routine to purge your brain of stuff, right? You know, maybe you need to call your mom. Maybe you need to uh, call someone you love and tell them nice things and then you go to sleep. Maybe you need to read a physical book so that you're not uh, up on your phone, you know, um, and maybe not playing video games too late either. Something that's so mentally stimulating can be can be hard to wind down from, you know, even the type of show you might be watching, you know, say you're like watching TV on the couch with your loved one and, uh, you know, watching an action movie or something like a horror movie might end up leading you to, you know, not be able to sleep as easily <laughs> as you would be if you watched uh, something that was a little lighter, right? So sometimes we watch documentaries at night um, to not get us too hype. <laughs> sometimes we watch comedies too, that kind of helps. Um, and then we'll just kind of lay in bed and talk about it and then fall asleep. And uh, that's, you know, one way to do it too. It also helps me, you know, I, I happen to have a partner that I love and appreciate. So that helps me um, to relax at night, knowing that she's with me, that she's safe, that everything's good in the world. Um, that certainly helps me. And I know that's a luxury and I certainly treat it that way. Um, otherwise like that's, that's really the, the main thing to consider when you're thinking about all of your physical needs. All right, so we've come to the end of this podcast. Thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate you. Um, we talked about breaking down how to consider your mood changes, uh, how to consider how to get out of mood changes when you're dealing with them. I mean, there's, you know, there's there's obvious uh, stuff that you can do in terms of getting a physical checkup and a mental checkup and all that stuff, but in the moment, you can't always do that. And I think it's good to have these things to consider when you're dealing with life's stressors every single day, you know, what are you dealing with when it comes to, um, to life, you know, stress at work, stress at home, relationships, family, kids, there are so many things that stress ourselves out, all the stuff we have to do, uh, to maintain being an adult. It's hard. It's hard out here, you know, and some of us have to make our own living and push ourselves, you know? 
it's really challenging to, to stop in the middle of the day and record a podcast when it's not making me money, <laughs> but, but it gets me, you know, uh, potential clients and helps people and all this stuff. So I do it. I do it. I does it. I do it. I appreciate you guys for listening to it. So, you know, consider your physical needs, your mental needs and your environmental needs when you're dealing with some intense stress out there in the real worlds. I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. You guys are amazing. Um, I hope you appreciate some of these sort of format changes. I want to play with adding some music here and there and uh, separating segments where I can. And um, I've been recording in audition. So let me know how you feel about the audio quality change as well. St- trying to get a feel for the clipping. It seems like auditions a little more sensitive than the, um, than the anchor recording stuff. So you know, all that fun stuff. If you go to personalityhacker.com slash podcasts, you can listen to the recent episode that I did with them, which I'm really excited about. It was a really good show talking about mental health and being an INTP. And um, what else I got going on? Um, nothing right now. I, I mean, I have a bunch of, I'm looking for more clients for my multimedia services. So if you guys have Um, any leads for podcast editing, video editing, uh, graphic design work, um, anything like that. My rate is $30 an hour flat rate. And that's the same thing for creative consulting. So you guys want to do a one-on-one call to talk about your business, where you like to go with things. Maybe you need to brainstorm some ideas for content, how to start a podcast, all of that stuff. Um, you can hit me up, go to cnote.media and then click the work with me button and do that there. Or if you hit me up at a let's go cnote on all the social channels, there's also, you can message me there as well directly. And, um, you know, let me know what you're curious about. You definitely don't have to commit to anything. I'm reachable and talk toable and, uh, you know, I'm not going to push you. So whenever you're ready to do whatever you need, or if you have any referrals, I'm also offering 20% referral bonus. So if you do refer someone and especially if we get a long-term deal going, I'll give you 20% of that. So that would be great. I could appreciate the help I'm trying to, trying to make my own way. I'm tired of doing Uber and Lyft. This sucks. <laughs> so I want to keep podcasting. I want to keep creating. I want to keep helping people. I want to keep making things for good people and uh, do it on my own esteem. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Feel free to leave some feedback on all the social channels at Let's Go C-Note. And um, I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See you guys. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.